0: Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pankowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Laurie, successfully reaching one's financial independence is, of course, a great accomplishment. We spend our careers working hard to earn and save enough money to do the things we love without having to worry about our finances. Along with building your wealth, preserving its value is also just as important.
1: That's right, John. Studies suggest family wealth is often built up however, lost within three generations. And so just to break down why that is, well, the first generation is the one that earns the wealth and they're the generation that worked and experienced hardships. They worked hard and diligently to save, to really achieve their goals and pave the way for a better life for their family. And their efforts paid off and say, by the time they're ready to retire, they can live more comfortably. Well, the second generation, while growing up, they see their parents' struggles and they value all the hard work that they put into what they've built. And there was a lot of sacrifice usually with the family in order to gain that wealth. And while they may be more comfortable as adults in terms of their finances, they can still remember the frugal aspects of their lives while growing up. So they understand the value of a dollar. Since they're aware of that, they often make better decisions surrounding education and financial choices to build on that foundation that was given to them by their parents, the first generation. So the third generation, let's talk about that, John. That's where everything tends to go wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That third generation just messes up everything. It
1: does, yeah. No, not for every family. You know, I, again, I manage so many different families' finances, but um, there is this sort of idea with the third generation that they didn't really see the struggle and sacrifices that the previous generations kind of endured. So they think everything came easy, it was no problem. There's, you know, money grows on trees. And they only really know a life of plenty and had possibly a lack of understanding of what's really needed to create and maintain that wealth for future generations. And that's why it's so important to have these conversations and communicate freely with your family and your financial advisor and your financial team.
0: Well, today on Ready, Set, Retire, we'll tell you how to preserve the longevity of your wealth for future generations. And Laurie, right off the bat, what are your tips to help preserve wealth for those future generations?
1: Well, start with a plan and document it. Communicate your plan with future generations so again, communication is key. Number three would be share the decision-making responsibility if you are comfortable with that idea. So again, that means talking to adult children, having them help make some decisions. Again, if that makes sense for you and your family. If not, there are other ways around it. Consider using tools such as insurance and trust to plan for future generations to, again, keep more money in the family and less out of CRA's pockets, let's say. And again, introducing your financial advisor to your beneficiaries is really important. I often am working with two or three generations of a family, and we do that because we understand how important that intergenerational wealth transfer is, and we understand it, and we've been doing this for over two decades. So I think that's also important.
0: So those are the five basic tips, Lori. but let's uh, explore each one individually. Uh, Start with a plan and document it. Why is that so important?
1: So think about your vision for your wealth for generations to come. The plan should set out goals and provisions for how you wish funds to be used, accessed or even replenished. Not that you can rule from the grave, but, you know, having those kind of values actually written down and passed on may kind of trigger that emotion in future generations to say, hey, maybe I should take care of this money so that my children and my grandchildren can access it once you determine your goals and provisions, it's important to formally record them as a document and again, pass that on to future generations, show it to your financial advisor, your accountant, even a lawyer. Because without proper planning, significant wealth can be lost, as we are just talking about, to future generations. And so it's important to really keep on top of this and build that plan. A lot of people talk about a financial plan and a retirement plan, but not many people are discussing an intergenerational wealth transfer plan. So just recently I saw a situation where a new client came to me from another advisor, and this is probably why they left their former advisor, They had entered a deal to purchase a property, hoping to use some of the inheritance that they had just got or were planning on getting. However, the funds were in the deceased registered account. And unfortunately, due to improper planning by that former advisor, the beneficiaries for the registered plan were never set up properly. And so it was sent to the estate. And so, of course, in that case, it has to be probated and can take a a long period of time. So again, this is just something simple regarding intergenerational planning for transferring your wealth, but this caused a major situation. And again, that is why that client left that advisor to come to us. And so making sure that you're dealing with the right kind of team that understands how important beneficiary designations are on your registered accounts.
0: And is that something that maybe the lawyer should have caught while the will was being drawn up? Because that seems like a gigantic drop of the ball, as it were.
1: That starts with the advisor, for sure. When one is opening up accounts, we're asking who's your beneficiary? Some people don't know, so it is a state. But again, if you do know, it should definitely be, you know, either charities or people who you plan to have this money transferred to. Again, just for that ease of transition and lower probate fees and not waiting as long. So we see those kinds of mistakes when new clients come to us from other advisors. So you just want to make sure that all your beneficiaries are always correct on all your accounts.
0: We've uh, talked a lot over the years about the importance of communication and around finances. Sometimes that can be difficult, but people have to get past that because it is important to communicate your plan to future generations.
1: Yeah, you know, it's essential for your beneficiaries to understand your plan. Once the plan has been documented, it should be communicated to family members or beneficiaries. And, that open communication can seem a bit scary, especially if you're in one of those families that don't like to talk about money, for example. Uh, they'll talk about anything else, but however, it's really important to having that kind of seamless transition of wealth. And often parents keep their finances and related values to money to themselves, missing the opportunity to pass along their ideas to their children, as well as save taxes, I have to say, John, because I think that's where not communicating, not planning can cause a much bigger tax bill than had you had that conversation early on. And while specific financial details don't need to be disclosed, so you don't always have to talk about how much money you have or in what accounts, You can just be more general in nature. And I think that's also important for you to know. So preparing the next generation for what they can expect is really important. And you should take advantage of any teachable moments that arise. And so I'll give you another example. I had an experience dealing with a family who found out their parents had changed the executors on their will from the kids to a third-party trust company after the parents had passed. Oops. So yeah, oops.
0: They didn't know until after the parents had passed. Yeah, home.
1: yeah. So they they weren't aware, and and one they were blindsided, but also these adult children could have easily handled the estate with a lawyer and accountant and so on. They're fully capable of doing that. However. The father thought that may make sense to try and organize everything for them and hire the third party trust company. But there's a lot of shock. They were grieving and they're going through this period of time and they had no control over their parents' former assets that are really actually their assets. Whether they want to sell them today or hold on to that, you really lose control when you're using a third party trust company. And in this case, these kids didn't need that service, right? So that's where, again, had the family communicated that this had been changed three years before he passed, there could have been conversations about it. It could have avoided a whole lot of problems and stress and anxiety and and so on. So, again, just trying to kind of bring it home with real life situations.
0: Uh, And you mentioned communicating with your family regarding wealth and certainly for something like that where you're changing your will to move it to a third party that's something that very much should be communicated but is it also a good idea to share the decision making responsibility with your children or the beneficiaries as well
1: it is important because you know we have calls all the time from people who have inherited money but have never invested and they don't really understand investments in any significant scale, which is fine. They're coming to the right place. We can help them and we'll manage everything for them and and walk them through it. But the parents didn't talk to them about the finances and didn't bring them into any of that decision making. And so they're kind of left in the dark and not sure how to handle it or what to do first. And then all of a sudden, one day, they could have one to $2 million. You think just the sale of a principal residence here in the Lower Mainland almost automatically makes you a millionaire. So there's a lot of people that uh, are ending up in this situation where parents pass away, the home was worth one to two million or more, split between two siblings, and now they have a million dollars and have never made decisions on large sums of money in their life. However, if they were kind of capable adults, then it would have been a wise idea for the parents to bring in those adult children to make some decisions at some point or start educating them on what may or may not be done when they finally do inherit a large sum of money.
0: And it gives them uh, both a chance to kind of monitor the plan's success together as years go by.
1: Exactly, John. So what are some of the other
0: tools that can help preserve the longevity of one's wealth?
1: There's a few different tools that we look at. So certain tools that can support beneficiaries and protect future wealth in situations where beneficiaries may not be able to. For instance, if a child has a disability of some sort or possibly addiction or mental health situations where they're unable to take care of that lump sum, like there's just no way it would work. In that case, then you may be looking at setting up a trust and you can put the assets under the control of a responsible trustee. Uh, That could be another family member, for example. It doesn't have to be a third party trust company, as I was just talking about and just making sure there's a solid line of communication there because there's going to be some challenges that a family probably couldn't handle on their own for example if you know you set up a trust and you're going to limit the amount of money that beneficiary can take from that trust during their lifetime it might only be 2000 a month or 5000 a month you just don't want them to blow it all in one go so you put it in a trust but having a lawyer and financial advisor in the room with you discussing what the options are and what the final decision is on that trust and how it's going to be managed, I think is important. Life insurance planning is a whole nother ballgame. We use a lot of life insurance for a lot of clients to reduce taxes. And when we're creating financial plans for families, there's often the discussion around how to save tax now and how to save tax later for your estate. And depending on how their assets are organized, there can be a significant tax incentive to the estate to really plan with insurance. And many people don't like the idea of insurance, but the the idea is, is if that insurance costs less than the tax that your family is going to pay or that you pay through your lifetime, then it can make a lot of sense. And for estate planning, when you look at insurance it's kind of choose to insurance, not have to, because you're no longer gonna be here, right? So some people go, okay, I'm not even gonna worry about it, whatever's left is left. However, when looking at the numbers at the end of your days or when you turn into an angel, what is that tax liability actually gonna be in twenty, thirty years from now? And a lot of people choose to ensure that so that uh, that immediately provides liquidity to your beneficiaries. They have some cash to pay that tax with, so they're not forced to sell, for example, real estate in a down market, or are forced to sell a liquidate a portfolio if they wanted to actually keep the holdings, and therefore then they have uh, that check to pay some of those taxes with. So there's lots of different strategies out there to save tax now with insurance, as well as for your future estate tax liability.
0: So how does a financial advisor help with preserving and transitioning wealth? To future generations, other than just cutting out that third generation altogether.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't do that. Um, you know, it's again, it's about educating and communicating, if I could get to, and planning. Um, you know, the best way to plan for a successful transition of wealth is to make sure that not only do you have a good, trusting relationship with your kind of financial team, and by that, I mean your financial advisor, your accountant, your lawyer. Uh, but also your beneficiary is as well, and so you know. Often, as I said, I am dealing with three generations in a family, and so I get to know all of them, what makes them tick, what their goals are, and um, and I really help communicate what's what's happening. And, and another example is is just recently uh, we had multiple beneficiaries inherit a home, for example, from their elderly mother who had passed, and the beneficiaries all had different ideas on what they wanted to do with this inherited family home, especially because uh, two of the beneficiaries are living in the home and partly own it, for example. So they don't know if they want to stay, they don't know if they want to sell it. Um, You know, and the other two siblings, um, you know, obviously inherited some money out of that home. So we're trying to figure out how to liquidate it, um, you know, and you would think that uh, most financial advisors are just managing money. uh, But the ones that get really involved, for example, so I'm sitting there at the table with the accountant, with the lawyer, myself, all of the family members that are beneficiaries deciding how we're going to proceed going forward with the home. So I think that's really important as well, um, just to make sure that everybody is communicating together and so that we make sure that uh, we have a solid process going forward.
0: And you have a a way of looking sort of beyond just the nuts and bolts and the the black and whites on the page. You've been doing this for a long time. So you have a lot of experience, gone through a lot of different uh, scenarios where where you can point out to somebody and say, well, look, let's try it this way, because in the long term, this is a better way to go.
1: Exactly. I mean, another scenario that we see often is when people own a family cabin or cottage. There's usually one of the children or maybe two like the cottage. And there might be one that never wants to go there again. They just don't like it. You know, it's a remote area. And so how do you split up the cottage when the parents pass away? If so you have three children, two, one one doesn't, well, that one needs to be paid out somehow. And so coming up with an idea before anybody passes away is how you keep peace in the family, John. So that's even where I'm coming up and going, you know what, let's organize this before we get into a fight. Later on, and um, you know, before the family gets into an argument about how they're going to sell it or keep it, and I think that's really important that uh, you know we prepare for that.
0: Well, and oftentimes, I've, you know, talking to you over the years, you and we we laugh about this, but you do wear a lot of different hats. Uh, you can be a, a psychologist, sometimes a marriage counselor, uh, as well as a, a family and estate planner, and just a good friend. You know, there's there's a lot going on there, and so that. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That, too, relates back to your more than 20 years of experience.
1: As I say, you can't manage someone's money unless you know who they are. But you're right. There are a lot of hats if you're doing what I do properly for people. You can't just, in my opinion, just manage their money and not talk about all this other stuff. Then I'm not providing what they need, what their family needs. You know, and some of this you learn from a book. Some of it you learn from just dealing with hundreds of families over the years and what we've seen And I always joke with, uh, with clients when, you know, we're sitting there with an accountant and lawyer and myself we're like always the worst case scenario people, (laughs) Yes, you know, because we have seen so many things and I'm like, we're not trying to dampen the situation. But the fact of the matter is, is we want you to make sure you're protected. Your wealth is managed the way that you want it to. And not just for yourself, but for future generations, because that's what it's all about. It's about keeping that wealth in your family as long as possible. So again, educating, communicating, planning is so important, John.
0: Regardless of your stage in life, growing and preserving your wealth should be an ongoing priority.
1: Exactly. And so we'll sum it up with a quote here, John. When money realizes that it is in good hands, it wants to stay and multiply in those hands.
0: Oh. That sounds sweet.
1: It is. It is, isn't it? Yeah, but we just it? We're just our... going to tell the third generation this, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that for our next uh, "Ready That Retire, how to break the news to the third generation.
1: We're not making fun of the third generation. We're out there to help the third generation. I think it's the most important aspect to take from this and all generations. Because, I mean, if you're doing it right, it will stay in the family for multiple, not just three generations, four, five, six, seven and ongoing if it's planned correctly.
0: Words of wisdom from Lori Pinkowski. Always a pleasure to chat with you and we will do this again in a couple of weeks.
1: Sounds good John, great chatting with you as well.
0: And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready Set Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management 604-695-Lori 604 604-695. 695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and I Rock.